You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Be honest. Did you know that Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne had the third most productive duo in the NFL last season? The Pittsburgh Steelers have added Brian Flores to the coaching staff. Did the New England Patriots make a mistake not bringing him back first? The Los Angeles Rams made a decision to win now when many people believe that the future's in a lot of trouble. However, it looks like there may be a way for the Rams to join enjoy some long-term success. Teams overplayed for Super Bowl champions, and Matthew Stafford is now a Super Bowl champion. So, will he break the bank, or will he leave some of that money on the table and try to make another championship run? And with all the talk of Super Bowl teams and running it back, it does feel pretty safe to say that we will never see another dynasty in the NFL again. What's up, kids? My name is Ray Route, and welcome to the Dear Pats Nation podcast. I am what you can call a New England Patriots super fan, and I'm always going to find a way to talk about these six-time Super Bowl champions. But I don't just want to chat about the Patriots. I discuss the entire NFL, and no matter what time of the year it is, I'm always here to give you your football fix. And I am a member of the Dean Blundell Podcast Network. Head on over to DeanBlundell.com and see everything that I'm doing over there, as well as over 100 podcasts and content creators from news, sports, politics, entertainment, and more. DeanBlundell.com has everything that you're looking for. And if you're a fan of the Dear Pass Nation podcast and you're looking for a place to get all of my content, head on over to RayRoute.com. That is R-A-Y-R-A-U-T-H.com. You'll find all the latest episodes of the Dear Pats Nation podcast, plus my newest videos, blogs, merch store, and more. Go check out RayRoute.com. That's R-A-Y-R-A-U-T-H.com and get all of my newest free content all in one place. Hey, if you're looking to find exclusive Dear Pats Nation content, head on over to my Patreon page and become a loyalty club member for only $5 a month. Here's the perks you get for joining the Patreon page. You'll get the live video version of the Dear Pats Nation podcast. You get direct access to me. Send me a message and I guarantee you your comments and questions will be answered on every episode of the Dear Pats Nation podcast. Plus, every Friday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can join the live Patreon hangout with me and all of the Loyalty Club members. So for only $5 a month, you get exclusive videos, you get your comments and questions answered, and you get the Friday hangout. So come check out the Patreon page over at www.patreon.com slash Sports. And with that being said, let's get this show started. And we are going to start out by answering some of those Patreon questions. Mr. Decheck TTV says, what's more likely in the next five years, Gerard Mayo becoming the head coach while Steve and Troy take the coordinator jobs, or do we finally draft a true number one wideout? And by we, Mr. Decheck means the New England Patriots. Uh, I'm going to be 110% honest with you. 
both seem highly unlikely. I mean, if you look at the history of the Patriots, they don't normally draft a number one wide receiver. I know they did that with, or they tried to do that with Nikhil Harry. However, at this point, it seems it's more likely to happen than Gerard Mayo becoming the head coach because I think it was Gerard Mayo himself who said he doesn't think that Bill Belichick is slowing down anytime soon. And because of that, it's a little bit difficult for me to envision anybody else but the Patriots coaching at the moment. That being said, we know at some point in time, well, the Patriots aren't going to, or Bill Belichick, I should say, isn't going to be able to continue coaching. I have grown more and more fond of the idea of Gerard Mayo becoming the head coach of the New England Patriots. I think that he brings a lot to the table that perhaps some outside coaches wouldn't. And I kind of like it because it would be following the Mike Vrabel sort of tree. Gerard Mayo, like Vrabel, would know the Patriots' way. He would have learned from the greatest of all time in Bill Belichick. However, what they bring to the table is being a Patriots player who was a part of the Patriots' way. And I believe that that's one of the big differences when it comes to coaches like Josh McDaniels or Matt Patricia, Brian Flores, whoever, getting their own teams as coaches who learned the Patriots' way as a coach compared to a player who understands the Patriots' way. So even though the number one wide receiver seems a lot more likely, I would love, love to see Gerard Mayo get a chance to be the head coach of the Patriots. Alex says, do you think that the Patriots have raised our expectations too high for next season? Alex, I 100% believe the Patriots have raised expectations too high for Patriot fans. Number one, New England Patriot fans are so used to the Patriots winning, not just being competitive, but winning, winning the Super Bowl. So those were already difficult expectations for the Patriots to meet on a year-to-year basis. Now you're doing it with a second-year quarterback. We don't know if New England's going to get that number one wide receiver. The defense has a lot of holes, more than I think a lot of people want to acknowledge. So because of that, I don't necessarily see this Patriots team as being heavy Super Bowl favorites heading into the 2022 season. However, I didn't think the Patriots were going to be competing for a playoff spot until 2022. So the fact that they made the playoffs last year, maybe they surprise us. Maybe they come out and start competing for the Super Bowl. And what I mean is being Super Bowl contenders. However, I always saw this team completely coming together in 2023. You have to remember 2020 was the teardown. 2021 was the beginning of the rebuild. 2022 will sort of be the conclusion and 2023 will be the payoff. I do, though, believe that there's a lot of Patriot fans out there who are going to be expecting a lot out of this Patriots team, probably more than the Patriots can deliver on or should be expected to deliver on. So, yeah, I do believe that the expectations are way, way too high for the New England Patriots at this time. Articulate Pack 6 says, do you think that the young guys at the linebacker can contribute more this year? 
Now, I assume by linebacker, he probably means Chase Winovich, Josh Uche, that type of thing, because those are sort of the guys who I guess you could say fairly or unfairly underperformed last season. We also haven't seen what Ronnie Perkins is fully capable of just yet. Matt Judon kind of fell off at the begin at the end of the year. And I've kind of went through this over and over again about what I believe happened. And what I believe happened to the Patriots was I believe that Matt Judon was figured out. And when you figured out Matt Judon, you essentially figured out the entire Patriots defense. I believe that once they started double teaming, triple teaming Judon, there was no help on the other side. The Patriots are 100% going to have to address the right side of the line so that Matt Judon can be more effective coming in from the left. We don't know what Ronnie Perkins is going to do. We didn't get to see him last year. Josh Uche, Chase Winovich, they haven't been great against the run, so I still believe that they're going to be situational third-down linebackers if Winovich is even on the team next year. And then we have to see what Cameron McGrone can do, another one of the rookies that we didn't get to see. So there is some young support coming for the Patriots. I also expect somebody like Adrian Phillips to be a contributing factor to New England. And because of that, I do believe that we will see some of the younger guys stepping up. What major impact they make, I mean, that's for you to guess. That's for me to guess. I think it's a little bit difficult at this point to really try to determine exactly who's going to contribute what on this team. Thank you for everybody who submitted Patreon questions. Don't forget to join the Patreon club. Submit your questions, patreon.com slash DPN sports. You're going to hear a lot of New England Patriot fans and their media discuss that the Patriots need a bonafide number one receiver. They wouldn't be wrong, but it wasn't as doom and gloom in the passing game as some people want you to believe either. Now, New England may still need to find the guy who can take the top off of defense. However, it may surprise a lot of people that the combination of Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne was the third most productive duo in the NFL last season. Now, Burnt Buckmaster of Pat's Pulpit wrote that a piece that highlighted the Mac Jones-Kendrick Bourne connection as one of the best in the 2021 season. Here's a sample of what Buckmaster wrote. Quote, The Patriots can feel good about where they're headed coming off what was just their first year of their new-look offense. The most important pillar of the foundation is Mac Jones, but he's not the only one. It appears that wide receiver Kendrick Bourne also will continue to play an important role moving forward. Even if the Patriots upgrade their wide receiving core in free agency or, more than likely, the draft. The Jones-Bourne combo was near the top of the league last year. While Bourne's openness rate trailed some of the NFL's top wideouts, a group that was led by Los Angeles Rams standout Cooper Cup, his ability to generate yards after the catch and add expected points to the New England's output landed him and his quarterback as the third most productive duo in football in 2021. Now, Burr Bachmaster is one of my favorite Patriots writers. Uh, you have to head over to Pat's pulpit. He breaks down the story even deeper and than what I shared with you today. But what I really want to know is what Patriot fans think. How surprising is it to you 
that the Jones-Born connection was so productive in 2021. And is it surprising that it was so successful? When I saw the numbers that Buckmaster presented in his article, when I saw where they ranked amongst some of the other duos across the NFL, yeah, I was absolutely positively surprised, and I'll even say tickled. Because I knew that Kendrick Bourne did really well. I've been a pretty big proponent on saying that I believe the Patriots don't have to re-sign Jacoby Myers because of Kendrick Bourne. There's a lot of people in Pat's Nation who believe Myers was supposed to be the replacement for Julian Edelman. But when you look at the makeup, the skill set, etc., Kendrick Bourne's actually a much more closer version and has a closer skill set to Julian Edelman than Jacoby Myers does. And he really fits in as that sort of slot receiver. He can also line up outside. He can play the Y a little bit. But to be the third most productive duo was surprising, even though we've talked about numerous times on our podcast that when Kendrick Bourne has the ball in his hands, he really has proved to be a very dynamic player. And you could almost start to see that connection between him and Mac Jones. We didn't need stats to tell us that they were productive together. And I have to assume with Mac Jones expected to take a second-year leap and Kendrick Bourne understanding the Patriots' offense a little bit better, that combination could probably be even better next year. Will it rate third most productive? I don't know, but what I love about Bourne is what he can do with the football in his hands, and that's something that the Patriots haven't had really since Julian Edelman in his prime. So Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in the National Football League. And frankly, I think it's fair to say that the Pittsburgh Steelers are one of the best coaching staffs in the league. Because of this, the AFC North probably won't be happy with Saturday's news that the Steelers have hired another brilliant coach. Not only did Pittsburgh add a great mind, they've also ensured that what I believe is one of the best coaches in the NFL wasn't blackballed from the league. Daniel Valente of the score wrote a piece on Saturday that should make Pittsburgh fans happy because the Steelers have added Brian Flores to their defensive staff. Here's what Valente wrote. The Pittsburgh Steelers have added former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores to their staff as senior defensive assistant and linebacker coach the team announced Saturday. Flores gained recognition for his work on defense with the New England Patriots before joining the Dolphins in 2019. He served as the Patriots linebacker coach from 2016 till 2018, end quote. Now, first of all, make sure that you head on over to the score, read the entire article from Valente. He includes uh, quotes from Mike Tomlin, and he talks about the Flores lawsuit. But for today, I really just wanted to keep the conversation around football and not the lawsuit. And I want you to let me know what you're thinking. Are the Steelers a good fit for Brian Flores? And I think another important question that we need to ask is, is did the New England Patriots make a mistake by not hiring him back? So when it comes to the fit 
of Flores in in Pittsburgh, I absolutely positively believe he's going to be an absolutely brilliant fit with the Steelers. The Steelers are a defensive first team. There's a lot of knowledge in that brain of Brian Flores. You make that combination with Mike Tomlin, who's a very smart coach. You got the players like TJ Watt on the field. And some of the things that they'll be able to accomplish. Yeah, he's a fit. And it's probably the makeup of the Patriots has probably been pretty close to what the, or the makeup of the Steelers is probably pretty close to what the makeup of the Patriots have been when Flores has been there like an okay offense that can be a little bit productive, but relies a lot on the run game on offense and the defense to make timely stops and get turnovers. So it's going to fit beautifully as for, was it a mistake for the Patriots not to rehire him? That's where it gets a little bit fishy. Originally, after he was fired from the dolphins before anything was announced, I said, Hey man, if Brian Flores can't get a head coaching job somewhere, which I didn't think was going to happen. I predicted he'd get a job within a week. The Patriots definitely got to reach out to him. They got to somehow get him back on the team. And then the whole text message thing between him and Bill Belichick happened. And then at that point, too, still, even when the lawsuit happened, I didn't know if there was going to be any bad feelings. I didn't, I didn't really know much. And then when Flores kind of publicly called out Belichick and saying that he had influence in what was happening with the New York hiring, I kind of knew at that moment that that was probably going to be the breaking point, And I doubt that we'd see Flores join the team. I do also want to point out too, though, that I was having this discussion with producer Mike for a couple of days. And I really liked Gerard Mayo and Gerard Mayo has sort of pledged his allegiance to the Patriots. He said he'd have to leave under the perfect situation. And he did admit out loud that he would love to one day take the realm or the helm and be the head coach of the Patriots. And because of that, I think if they rehired Brian Flores, that would just knock Mayo down just one rung. But knocking him down that rung could be enough, in my opinion, to actually maybe have Drawed Mayo look around and say, okay, there's a better situation somewhere else. So based on all the, you know, the nuances around the lawsuit and and that kind of thing, and my, I guess, want of the Patriots one day elevating Gerard Mayo to be the head coach, I don't think it was a mistake. After the New England Patriots defeated the Atlanta Falcons in Super Bowl 51, Patriots tight end Martellus Bennett knew that he'd hit the jackpot. During a post-game interview, Bennett said, people overpay for Super Bowl champions. Luckily for Bennett, he was right, and he signed a lucrative deal with the Green Bay Packers, which, of course, fell apart during the season. But that's why there's some agents out there that believe that Los Angeles Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford has been handed the blank check. Now, Joel Corey of CBS wrote a piece highlighting how Matthew Stafford's financial future could be affected by the Rams winning Super Bowl 56. Here's some of what Corey wrote. Quote, the NFL media's Ian Rappaport reported hours before Super Bowl 56 was playing that the Rams and Matthew Stafford's agent, CAA football's Tom Condon, will meet to, quote, hammer out a contract extension this offseason. Stafford is entering the final year of his contract. 
He's scheduled to make $23 million in 2022, consisting of a $12.5 million base salary and a $10 million fifth day of the 2022 league roster bonus of a $500,000 workout bonus. After a stellar postseason where Stafford engineered a 15-play, 79-yard drive, cumulating in a Super Bowl-winning touchdown pass with 125 left to play, he has tremendous contract leverage. The Rams' only potential saving grace of an extension might be Stafford following the lead of two other Condon quarterback clients, Drew Brees and Peyton Manning. In the later stages of their respective careers, both instructed Cannon to leave money on the table. Stafford is in a financial situation and position to do so because he's made $239 million from the NFL player contracts, end quote. Make sure that you head on over to CBS and read Corey's uh, entire article. It gives a lot more detail uh, than what I shared with you today. But I'm very interested in hearing what all of you have to say. Will Matthew Stafford try to break the bank? Or will he leave money on the table so that the Rams can try to build around him and make another Super Bowl run? And when you ask that question, when you say, hey, will Matthew Stafford leave money on the table to try to win the Super Bowl? I, honest to God, believe that the answer is 100% yes. Uh, I also agree with what Martellus Bennett said, that Super Bowl champions get grossly overpaid. I know that this is not a popular opinion, but I believe that Matthew Stafford is a little bit overrated. I could probably concede that this season he was a top 10 quarterback, but he's probably number 10 on that list. I think that he got better as they add more, added more talent around him. I think the defense gave him the opportunity to be better. And he also played with the Triple Crown winner in Cooper Cup. $239 million isn't a lot, you know, isn't anything to sneeze at. I'm sure he's done something with that money to be financially secure. And you have to assume at this point of his career, especially now that he's tasted success after playing, being so miserable with the Detroit Lions for so many years. The Matthew Stafford is going to want to do whatever he can to win the Super Bowl, to quote-unquote run it back, as the kids like to say. And if that's the case, I don't see why Matthew Stafford wouldn't leave money on the table. What I will say is, I know what he just did for the Rams, but let's not be prisoners of the moment here if you're Los Angeles, and I know you gave up first-round picks. But if Stafford comes out and he's got a blank check and he's trying to say, hey, I want top five money, you will not and cannot have any sustained success paying him that kind of money, especially at his age, especially in the cap situation you're in. I know you can do a lot to work around it, but you're already $20 million over the cap for next season. You need to bring back Odell Beckham Jr. You have to bring back uh, uh, Von Miller because if you don't, you're going to lose Aaron Donald. So I think Matthew Stafford, if he is really looking for success, if he really is looking to try to win another Super Bowl, again, quote-unquote, running it back, he's going to have to leave money on the table. Now, the Los Angeles Rams just won the Super Bowl. In the modern sports world, fans and media are going to be prisoners of the moment. Every Super Bowl champion is going to be the next dynasty. Every winning quarterback is going to go to the Hall of Fame. Because of this, it's not surprising that people are wondering if the Rams will be able to go on an extended run of success. Dom Constantino of The Score gave his thoughts when he wrote a piece called, quote, 
Here's how the Rams can sustain their success. Here's a little bit of what he wrote. The Rams weren't exactly all in, a designation that implies they sacrificed their future to satisfy the present. L.A. does, in fact, place great value on the draft as a mechanism of long-term roster construction. The team also isn't in any kind of salary cap hell. If Aaron Donald and head coach Sean McVay do indeed come back, there's nothing to suggest that L.A. can't sustain its success. Of the 46 players that had at least one snap in L.A.'s Super Bowl victory over the Cincinnati Bengals, 20 were homegrown draft picks, including 18 taken since 2017. McVay and Rams general manager Les Snead, I apologize, have also taken advantage of the comp pick system which awards 32 additional selections at the round at the ends of round 3 and through 7 to compensate teams for losing free agents. Past success of course doesn't offer future guarantees but the Rams aggressiveness with trades to acquire draft capital in addition to dealing for proven talent is an approach that works for them. LA hasn't only cracked open a championship window it's also created a method to keep it from closing, end quote. Make sure that you head on over to the score and read the entire breakdown from Constantino. Like he digs really deep into the salary cap and other ways that the Rams can continue their success. But I also want to let you know, or I also want you to let me know, because I'm very curious what the NFL community is thinking right now. Can the Los Angeles Rams go on a run of sustained success? And it's a very interesting question. Can the Rams have success, sustained success? Because I think we all lived under the same premise that Los Angeles had sold out to win their Super Bowl. Mission accomplished. However, when you look at things like Constantino from the score wrote that, well, they can extend some contracts. They can help their salary cap situation. They actually have draft picks. They may not have first-round picks. They would have been picking number 32 overall this year anyway. So we've seen teams like the New England Patriots. How many times is that a miss? You've got your quarterback. You've got your things. Can they have long-term sustained success? I think that as long as you have Matthew Stafford, who's going to be a solid contributor and can step up in big moments if you really need him to, and you have the Cooper Cups and the Aaron Donalds of the world, you always have a chance. If they're able to draw in players like Vaughn Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. to stay with the team and take those hometown discounts, take those veteran discounts, make less money with the promise of competing for another Super Bowl, they could have success. But I also do want to point out that with this team, with all the talent they have around them, they were the fourth seed this year. They didn't even win their division. It's not like the Rams, in my opinion, came out and they were just this dominating team that you expect to just be back there next year. This isn't the New England Patriots of before, where you kind of just knew they were going to blow out half the teams they played and it's all good. So I struggle with this one. I think they could have a window of sustained success. Do they have a window where they're going to be constantly seen as Super Bowl favorites? I don't know if you can do that. And I know there was people at the beginning of the season, my my good buddy Lawrence Owen from Colts Law, who said they were the favorites, He and he's kind of flexed it. Like I said at the beginning of the year, they're going to be the best team. Well, they weren't the best team, though. 
And overall, I mean, they're the best teams they won the Super Bowl. So that's where it's going to get very, very interesting. Now, it feels like that there's even more pressure on every team who wins a Super Bowl in these times. The Kansas City Chiefs players promised their fan base multiple championships. Tampa Bay fans believe that Tom Brady was going to go on a similar historic run with the Buccaneers like he did with New England. And most recently, some Los Angeles Rams fans believe that they could be the next Patriots of the NFL. That all being said, Brian Diardo of CBS wrote a brilliant piece that breaks down why the NFL may never see another great dynasty. Here's some of what he wrote. Quote, are NFL dynasties gone? It certainly looks that way. Another team may be able to find a way to piece together consecutive championships, but it's safe to say that the 70s Steelers record of four Super Bowl wins in six years is safe from duplication. A longer season means more injuries and a smaller chance for championship contending teams to stay healthy for an entire season. A big reason for the Bengals' recent Super Bowl run was the fact that they largely avoided any major injuries during the course of the season. Sometimes it takes a while for players and coaches to get their footing before discovering their potential. In today's climate, Chuck Knoll probably wouldn't have been given enough time to lead the Steelers to four Super Bowls after Pittsburgh won just 12 combined games in his first three seasons. His quarterback, Terry Bradshaw, probably would have been jettisoned after throwing 46 interceptions against 19 touchdowns in his first two seasons. And whether or not more teams exercise similar patience in the coming years will be something to monitor. But given today's instant gratification climate, along with the mounting pressure to win in professional sports, it doesn't seem likely, end quote. Now, this was a fantastic article by Diardo, and I highly suggest that you head on over to CBS and you read all of his thoughts because he makes a very compelling argument. Uh, and, and again, I don't care who you cheer for. I just really want to know your thoughts. Will the NFL ever see a dynasty again? There's a lot of fan bases who believe their team has a, a chance to be a dynasty, but will we ever really see a true dynasty? I'm going to say no, and I'm going to say no for a couple of different reasons. Number one, let's talk about parity. I had this discussion with the Buffalo Bills fan, and he said, listen, there's going to be teams out there that are going to take pay cuts to play with the or players out there. They're going to take play cuts, pay cuts to play with the Buffalo Bills because they want to have a chance to compete for a Super Bowl. I 100% agree with you. I think that Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the NFL. I think they're a very good team. However, here's the big difference. I think there's teams that would take pay cuts to play with Baltimore, Cincinnati, the Titans, the Chiefs, possibly the Raiders right now. Maybe in a couple of years, you might see a team like the Patriots again, possibly Jacksonville, depending on what jump they can make this year. You head on over to the NFC, the Rams, the Packers, if they can keep Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, the Cardinals. There's good teams all over the place, the 49ers. Back when the Patriots were building their dynasty, back when they were going head-to-head -head with Indianapolis in the Manning versus Brady competition and rivalry, there weren't like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams in the league that people thought, okay, they could have a chance to win a championship this year. I mean, they always had those outside chances, but legit, like, hey, this could be a championship team. And because of that, 
there's going to be a little bit more parity around the league with where they go. And I mean, almost, I think there's like every team, but like 10 have a starting quarterback that I think anybody would take on their team if they didn't have their starting quarterback. Salary caps make things an issue. Is Odell Beckham going to chase another ring or is he going to try to take this opportunity to chase some more money? He has his ring now. What does Antonio Brown do next year? Does anybody want him? That changes the dynamic of the league. So, yeah, I understand what you're saying about, you know, what the Buffalo fans are saying, but I don't think there's going to be a dynasty because I think there's going to be there's going to be too many good teams in the league. We may never see Joe Burrow go back to a Super Bowl. We may never see a team like Kansas City go back to a Super Bowl just because of the parity that's going to keep building. The teams are going to keep getting better. So, no, I 100%, I don't think we're ever going to see a dynasty ever again in the NFL. Maybe in professional sports because they're all kind of signed, they're all kind of built the same. <sighs> that is uh, just about it for the Dear Pats Nation podcast. Thanks a lot for tuning in today. Make sure that you follow us over on Twitter at RayRouteWeb. That's at R-A-Y-R-A-U-T-H Web, W-E-B. Uh, to stay up to date with all our new content as it's being released, you can also follow me on Twitter at DPN underscore Ray. You can also follow our producer, Mike, who's with us Monday to Thursday at MN underscore Off Topic. Uh, we've got all your Patriots and NFL co uh, content covered. So why wouldn't you want to tune in daily? Uh, I'm a member of the dear. Uh, I'm a member of the Dean Blundell Podcast Network. Head on over to DeanBlundell.com and see everything that's happening over there, uh, as well as over a hundred podcasts and content creators uh, from sports, news, politics, entertainment, and more. DeanBlundell.com has everything that you're looking for. Uh, if you're a fan of the Dear Pats Nation podcast and you're looking for a place to get all of my content, head on over to RayRoute.com. That's R-A-Y-R-A-U-T-H.com. You'll find all the latest episodes of the Dear Pats Nation podcast, plus all my newest videos, blogs, merch store, and more. Go check out RayRoute.com, R-A-Y-R-A-U-T-H.com, and get all of my newest free content all in one place. And if you're looking for an exclusive Dear Pat Station content, head on over to my Patreon page and become a loyalty club member for only $5 a month. Here's the perks you get for joining the Patreon page. You get the live video of the ver version of the Dear Pat Station podcast. You get direct access to me. Send me a message. I guarantee you that I'll answer it. Uh, your comments and questions will be answered on every episode of the Dear Pats Nation podcast, plus every Friday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can join the Patreon hangout with me and all the Loyalty Club members. We also get uh, drop-ins from Lawrence Owen from Coltslaw, Connor Connie sometimes comes on, Mario from Hashtag Sports. So for only $5 a month, you get exclusive videos, you get your comments and questions answered, and you get to hang out on Friday nights. So come check out the Patreon page over at www.patreon.com slash DPN sports. And all right, that's kind of it for the pitches. That's it for the content. We appreciate everybody who listened from all over the world. We got people from Germany, Australia, Canada, the United States, Brazil, Ecuador, and so on and so on and so on. And never, ever forget, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life, you're legit, kid.
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.